0: From time to time, I find myself doom scrolling and I just feel worse and worse and worse. And I find the great antidote is sunlight and silence. Uh, To get out and to walk in nature, to look at birds, to look at leaves, and to leave the phone behind. And today, we're talking to a woman who has had to take care of her mental health, that it's a matter of life and death. She has survived, her family has survived, her marriage has survived because of attention to good mental health. So take that as my public service announcement for now. Stop the doom scrolling, Stuart, and get out, drink water, and go for a walk and look at the beauty the beauty of the natural world or the beauty of an evening sky. I saw the supermoon last week. Gorgeous. It just declares its own glory. You will enjoy, and I predict be inspired by, the story of Kim Meto.
1: I probably would not be alive if I hadn't been on the lithium because I probably would have died by suicide.
2: This is In Her Words, a podcast from ManListening.com, featuring one man listening to the stories of real women in their own words. In Her Words, a conversation worth hearing, because every woman deserves to be heard.
0: Hi there, and welcome to In Her Words, my podcast. I'm Stuart Watson. Today, my friend Kim Maytone who started as a teenager in the emergency room in profound need of help for mental health. And now fast forward 30 plus years later, 35 years later, and you find her helping others uh, with her husband and business partner. And she's the one with the letters after her name in doing mental health counseling. In, this, in, in essence, sitting across from and looking into the eyes of girls who are exactly like she was. Trigger warning, we do talk frankly about suicide and suicide prevention. And we talk about bipolar disorder and what to do about that. And we also talk about um, postnatal, you know, moms with newborns who have a lot more than the blues? They have straight-up depression. So, in as much as it is helpful, uh, I I hope and pray you'll listen. Uh, but take care of yourself, and don't listen if you'll be triggered. Here's Kim. Where were you born?
1: Lexington, Kentucky.
0: Hospital or home? Hospital. For your mother, your number. What of how many? I'm
1: number. Well, I am number three, but two of us are living.
0: Okay. So
1: yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, all of a sudden, Stuart, like right from the beginning, you're gonna make me cry. <laughs> no, my. Uh, so what? What would? Who would have been my older brother? He, um, my my mother gave birth to him. Um, when she was very young, 19, when my parents got married. And premature, would have survived probably today, back then, did not, and uh, so yeah, and that's actually, and there's more to that story of we, were, my sister and I weren't even told about it till I found a picture in, in it when I think I was like 16 you know, of the little gravestone, you know. Um, But that's actually part later on that I've just recently in the past year have gotten into perinatal mental health and postpartum depression and all of that. That's been one reason I've gotten into that, so.
0: Into mental health.
1: Mm -hmm. With mental health, perinatal.
0: And your mother probably got very little support.
1: Right, absolutely. Absolutely none. She said she didn't even know that the baby was alive until a nurse came in and told her um, a couple days after she gave birth. And I think he was four days old when he died.
0: So she thought the child was stillborn?
1: Yes. She didn't tell me anything about that experience, really, until recently when I got up the courage to talk to her about it more. um,
0: I mean, after your kids are pretty much grown, she tells you about it.
1: Yes, yeah, so I'm 52 years old. (laughs) So this has probably been within the past two years, maybe if that, when I got interested in the perinatal. But beforehand, both my sister and I were C-section. So she had C-section, it was way back then and basically she was put under. So it was not like my experience, you know, I gave natural birth to the two of my children, so.
0: Did you have any anesthetic?
1: Yes, on both.
0: Oh, good, yeah. <laughs> Ladies, I want my epidural now.
1: Yeah, I went that route. Yes. I, 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 you know, admire women who don't have it, but that wasn't for me at the time. Right. Yeah.
0: I get it. But you also, from your own experience, what was your experience after giving birth? How did you feel like the weeks and months after giving birth?
1: Um, I felt really, for the most part, I felt, well, it depends on how, when, what you mean how I felt. Um, physically, I felt good. I felt tr- strong, I was physically strong. Still am pretty much just
0: um, postpartum depression is. I but
1: postpartum you... depression, I didn't really think I had any until I started to learn more about postpartum depression in my studies with the mental health when I got interested in it, and I recognized, oh wow, I did have some of this, and it wasn't just my imagination. Um, with my first with with Jessica she um, she was a little preemie just like six weeks Um, so that was uh, out of the ordinary and then my husband um, is an alcoholic and at that time was using and um, so I had all of that going on and my life was just really hectic and
0: And it was all on you. Yeah. It was pretty much all on you. Yeah,
1: it was. Yeah. 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 Uh, So I had those emotions just even going in um, into labor and everything. I mean, he didn't even believe I was in labor when I told him because he had just been drinking. And that's a whole whole thing. Um, But somehow he got me (laughs) to (laughs) The delivery room.
0: Believe me, uh, give yeah. me a ride. He just, got, me. Just, he got just, me there. Let's just say for the sake of argument, I'm in labor. Yeah. Now, will you please there. give me but, a ride? Yeah,
1: So, but postpartum, so I had to deal with that, but then I think I dealt with, um, you know, the typical things of, oh, I don't, uh, do I not look that great anymore? Um, do I, uh, does my husband, my husband's paying more attention to the child than me? Um, and a lot of those things are very normal, um, and but, but Matt will say, my husband will say, I was more jealous of Jessica than he thought I should be. Hmm. Um, and I, I think maybe that's the case there.
0: What's well, a good red flag for when something is not just a concern, it's actual postpartum depression?
1: Right, so... Um, Really, people think like it's just you hear about the baby blues, really postpartum is the first two years after you have a baby, so they're a toddler. so um, so if you're not sleep, if, you're, if you, it goes on beyond the, those two weeks, and if you're just um, not sleeping, if you're having thought, any, any suicidal ideation. it could just be meaning um, more ups and downs than you ever did before Um, it could mean to the extent of you're having thoughts that you didn't want to have people
0: use that word suicidal ideation and I've had therapists use that with me and I'm like I know do you mean the occasional thought or do you mean I have to have like this full plan? So what does it mean? Whenever, I mean, it's the, it's the I, I like to say, it's like George Bailey and It's a Wonderful Life. The banker, the arch villain tells him, you're worth more dead than alive. Mm-hmm. And I've thought that, I think that sure. a lot of times. Sure. Sure. I, I used to joke about it in front of my kids until my mm-hmm. wife said, don't do it. Mm-hmm. It's just a fact. Right. You look at the life insurance policies and you look at what we have in cash and equity, I'm worth more dead than alive. Um, if all you count is dollars. Right. Um, so just coming to that realization is very different than planning to do something about it. At what point is it suicidal ideation and not just Like flirtation. Not
1: just having thoughts of suicide. Uh, Not just
0: having the occasional thought.
1: Okay. Well, usually people do not even have the occasional thoughts of suicide. Really? Really. Yeah.
0: Oops. (laughs) See, you already conned me. If I got you to cry early, you got me to confess. I'm
1: a therapist. You're a
0: therapist. (laughs) That was your trickery. Your wiles.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, Stuart. Yeah. That's
0: that's a that's trippy.
1: Yeah. So yeah. I mean, we everyone occasionally like thanks. Yeah, the life insurance thing. But no, typically people just don't don't think that way. And like the thoughts might come up here and there. Um, but going to someone, um, a woman with postpartum depression, it would mean. Um, It can mean anywhere from thoughts to psychosis, to like a plan, to a plan or psychosis or, uh, you know, so everything, anything in between there. And that's what's so difficult to determine with postpartum depression. And my my clients have this shame of maybe, like I was saying, like, they may feel like they didn't want to have that baby and that, like, they loved it that they like wanted to have this baby for so long, right? They planned to have the baby, they wanted the baby, then all of a sudden they have the baby and they're like, I'm not attached to this child. I don't want this baby. This is hard. Like this is hell. Like I'm up at night. I didn't think it was going to be like this. My husband said he was he was going to do everything. We were going to be equal. Oh, well, you know what? He can't wake up and breastfeed the baby, you know. Huh? <laughs> Um, it's a it's, puppy
0: times a thousand
1: mm-hmm, exactly and, and some, you can't give it back right right um, but the shame going so there's shame in that like I, I've had clients tell me stuff like that and that's so hard to, to say that you you don't want to have your baby right then mm-hmm. you know and I think that's when a, a therapist comes in handy because, we try our best not to judge, and we're legally bound, you know, not to tell anyone, you know, and so I think that is part of the beauty of Probably unless
0: somebody said, I'm thinking about killing my baby, and I have a plan.
1: Exactly, that's where psychosis comes in, and if we have a plan there, and that's a whole other story.
0: Those are, a lot more women have a plan than actually really intend on carrying out the plan. But it's one of those things, as soon as it's out of your mouth, the power of that idea dissipates. It goes away. Um, Because, you know, the shame articulated, all of a sudden it diffuses it. Now you can't do it because you've told someone. And it like, it almost protects you against yourself. Um, if you're thinking about harming yourself or others, it diffuses that power. And um, I don't know about harming others. There's that old joke. If you go from being suicidal ideation to homicidal, homicidal. It's progression, <laughs> you're actually getting better. <laughs> it's a it's a little joke. Yeah. It's not true. Right. I'm not saying no, it's true. I know.
1: Um, I'm still sort of going back to your suicidal, the suicidal thought, but I...
0: No, I go ahead. I mean, because I'm trying to learn. Because there's a oh, lot of it out better. there. Just getting
1: better. Just because it doesn't always get better when you just say it out loud. But it it helps. It helps when when you share it. Is that what you mean? Like, just yeah, to share it? Yeah, a burden shared is a burden Yeah, and then you can, that can help to on your way getting better. Yeah. 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 I will say, I, I, um, one thing I did think I, I might share with this, if we got on the perinatal part with the postpartum, was with my own encounter with my second, okay, that was Jessica, and I think that was fine. My second, Luke, um, who's now 21, again, I had no, real problems. I, with both of them, I was, I had morning sickness throughout the whole pregnancy, horrible. Um, but with him, I had thoughts of, um, like these strange thoughts of, do I want, like, I sort of felt this tug that, I wanted to throw him off a building, and so, uh, so this this is hard to say, right? Um, but I again, I recognized it when I read it when I was learning about all of this, and um, I can remember him him as an infant, and we were. Uh, was a whole group of us, my parents included, and uh, uh, there was a balcony and my parents wanted me to bring him out on the balcony, my son, um, and I just wouldn't do it. I couldn't do it because I was having this urge of like, if I brought him out, I was one, I had the urge, but then I was also scared at the same time that something was going to happen to him and then i'd also had a few did times did you tell anybody Mm-mm. nope
0: did you have a therapist
1: i had a therapist
0: and you didn't talk to
1: didn't tell her i didn't tell anybody until just recently when i read about this and was like oh wow okay
0: have you ever heard of the comic maria bamford no maria bamford no has profound mental health challenges, oh. and she makes comedy out of them. Yeah, And she talked about, and has talked about in her stand-up act, thinking about like killing your parents or harming someone in your family, you know. And I think she is so courageous. Mm-hmm. And I think you are very courageous. For mm-hmm. talking about that now, mm-hmm. and you obviously had to be concerned um, about people judging you, even after the fact,
1: Absolutely. like twenty
0: plus years after the fact.
1: Absolutely, and yes, and okay. So there's, there's It helps, there's people, more.
0: To know. It helps people to know. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. And it helps people know. And this was something that, Stuart, I debated on whether to bring this up or not um, with you, but I, ha- I have been more transparent um, as of late um, that I have bipolar disorder one, okay? And so what that also does is if you also have any mental health um, disorder, when, you know, when you're pregnant, when you get birth, you're more apt to have postpartum depression. You're more apt to have postpartum psychosis, and the worst you want to have is psychosis. When you know you hear of uh, somebody actually does throw their baby off, or Pardon. drowns three of their children in the. In the
0: Those hospital. you hear about um, and they stick with us. Right. Extremely rare. Right. But compared to the number of women who have right. type one or type two bipolar.
1: Right. It's, it's who very are, rare.
0: Who are moms.
1: Right. It is rare. But again, there's fear and then there's shame. Mm-hmm.
0: Had you received a diagnosis before you were a mom? Did you know what you were dealing with?
1: Yes, I was 18. Ah. Yeah, Matt dealt with...
0: How did they... Because he was your, like, high school boyfriend, He was my high right? school
1: boyfriend, and he went to the hospital and told those people he, was, he wanted those flowers delivered to me, regardless if it was in a glass or not. And then he went and he got styrofoam cups, so I would have flowers at the hospital.
0: <laughs> that's a keeper.
1: So, uh, that's...
0: That's a keeper we right supported there. We
1: each other, Stuart. It wasn't just...
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful.
1: So, and you know, there's a I'm such a, a fan of this. you guys,
0: individually <laughs> and as a couple. Right. I'm just like such a fan. How many years now married? 30. And two plus, yeah. Two children. Yeah. So. God bless you. That's <laughs> wonderful. And not enough people speak up about marriage. Yeah. And about the real partnership of like having to rely on each other right you have such profound you know take out the dsm and flip to the page and point to it correct that kind of shit yeah <laughs> That's right heavy.
1: for real i have a I had a whole list, I made this list of like, and then I was like, oh, this is my whole life, I can't share, <laughs> I was gonna say like, oh, what am I uh, powerless over people, places, and things, and yeah.
0: What's the difference in type one and type two bipolar?
1: Okay, so one is where you have more mania, so more ups than downs, and um, Yeah, it's just, it's quicker to, and it's more severe. A lot of
0: times people don't know what mania looks like. They know what somebody who never gets out of bed
1: looks like.
0: Um, What does mania look like?
1: Okay, so it can look different, different people. For me, um, I could rearrange this room that we're in right now, you know, in an hour at at one in the morning, and I would want to do it, and then still wake up and go run six miles in the morning and have no sleep really for a whole week much at all and i would feel great and high and yeah it's it's that natural high
0: there are some dysfunctions disorders that people will praise you for yeah and the whole she gets a lot done she's president of the church group and she's president of the pta and she's running for city council and oh my god you're so wonderful you're the perfect mother i don't know how you do it right and then she completely crashes exactly
1: and so that's that's what would happen now i have my um on my maternal side there's the history of it my maternal grandmother and so, how do you know? How do I know?
0: Because it wasn't talked about back then.
1: Wasn't talked about that back then. But she she was in a psychiatric hospital, which sanitarium, and um, was, I mean, she had the um, the electron, the AC, ECT. Yeah, mm-hmm. she had that done. I mean, I believe
0: my father had that okay. electroconvulsive therapy.
1: Yes, 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 yes. Um,
0: Electroshock.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and she was treated horribly, and I've heard all that, those stories from my mother, and um, so. Now
0: people have come a long way. Some people are big, big believers in electroshock. Yeah,
1: yeah they, people still believe in it, and I think it probably can be done in the right way. And also not a
0: one-size-fits-all, too. Right. Because the drugs have come a long way. Yep. And they get better and better and better. Yes. And I mean, I take an anti anxiety drug that is a blood pressure med used off label. Yeah, right. And I was like, Yeah, yeah. Head exploding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And they've used yeah. that drug for everything from ADHD to PTSD. And, and so, oh, yeah. big believer in MD, medical doctors, science.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: nobody says thank you pharmaceuticals <laughs> thank you pharmaceutical industrial Complex. right
1: exactly
0: <laughs> not always pushing oxy
1: right oh my lord
0: yeah how did they figure out when you were just 18 just a yeah. baby you're a teenager well
1: we look back and we couldn't see it earlier but in the beginning of adolescence when it usually will come out okay and that's adolescence. when it presents
0: yeah, so yeah. 11 to 13
1: Hmm. Probably a little bit older, probably 13 um, 13 and up, yeah, and just uh, more, I mean, I was just very anxious. Every time the beginning of school would start, I would get super anxious. Changes would happen, couldn't adjust to change, and so I wouldn't sleep because I was so nervous. Wouldn't sleep, would then put me in a manic state, which when I say manic state at that time, it would in the beginning, do all these great things, wonderful. Oh, I can do this, I can do that. And I still was Still take itself. the test. I can still take the test, mm-hmm. make 100. I can run my fastest time that I ever did. And, but then come crashing, then get really nervous, be mean to people, meaning like a sh- just a short fuse, temper.
0: Lash out.
1: Lash out. And then come down hard, crashing hard to the point of, of wanting, wanting to die by suicide. So bipolar one is more severe than two.
0: Mm. Did you ever um, plan? Did you ever, did your ideation ever get to the point of planning?
1: It never came to a real plan, but I had, I had, I had significant Thoughts about it.
0: Were you able to share those with your therapist?
1: Um. Yes. Not all of them. Now, I've had obviously since I was diagnosed when I was 18, I've had I've had quite a few therapists. Mm-hmm. So
0: some better than others. Right. And also, therapists are learning a lot more. Yes. And now you are a therapist to teenage girls. <laughs> Just like you. Yes. So here's the big, 64 million dollar (laughs) question. How does your experience as a teenager with Mm -hmm. type one bipolar give you a kind of superpower? Yes. In talking to these teenage girls.
1: I'm so glad that you call it that.
0: (laughs) It is. Your experience, the darkest experience, right, is the greatest superpower. Because you're still sitting here.
1: Yeah, I try to think about it that way.
0: So when you talk to these girls. Right.
1: Um, so sometimes it can be really hard for me not to share my experience, not to share, hey, I have been there, I have done this. Um, because as a therapist, you. We're, we've been taught that you don't want to disclose too much information. You really only want to disclose something that will really be helpful to the client, um, especially if they're a minor. Um, I've actually have disclosed some things to some clients. Um, never one of my teenagers have I said that I am disor- have bipolar disorder. I think I've only told one or two of my clients that I have bipolar disorder. They were adults, and it was at the point where they absolutely needed to hear that someone could relate to them because they thought no one could ever relate and that I could never relate. But with my teenage girls, you know, I just, I can really empathize, and I think I do tell them, you know, well, I understand how this can be tough, and I might say there's a family history I could maybe bring that into it. Um, But I think it helps me to be able to empathize, to relate, um, to try to say what I would have liked people to say to me, what I would have liked people to understand.
0: When I tell people, my biological father drank himself to death, at the age of 46 and acute alcoholism is on his death certificate, it immediately opens a door for people. Even more than if I tell them I'm an alcoholic. For me to tell them, here's the death certificate, here's the doctor's signature, and here's the phrase acute alcoholism. Mm -hmm. He didn't make that up. Right. That's not a made up thing. He literally drank himself to death. In the Holiday Inn, with mm. three fifths of vodka, mm. so it makes it real. It makes it hard for people to think, oh, well, did he or didn't he, or maybe he had right. a heart attack or whatever." No. Here's, here's where the vodka was. Right. When the sheriff came and kicked in the door.
1: Right. Yeah. So it can be really helpful. I yeah. wish that.
0: No shame. There was. Just the facts.
1: I, yeah, I wish that there still wasn't the stigma that there is, and I think um, there really is a stigma on mental health more. And I think that's probably why I I don't I don't tell many people at all that I have bipolar disorder. Um, so this is pretty big deal for me. <laughs> uh, and well, I think
0: that's because that stigma. we can use your stigma. last name, or we cannot use your last name, but um, well, tell me what your concern is. I mean, it's up to you, but just tell me what your concern is. Yeah.
1: Um, and I think, I think it's okay. I think it's okay. The concern is. Like I know
0: PhDs and MDs and judges who are in 12 step recovery. And The longer they're in recovery, the less they're worried about, mm-hmm. oh my God, I'm going to lose my job. Right. Oh my God, nobody's going to want to. or this is going to undermine me somehow. Right. The parents are going to want to send their kids to me. Right. And actually, and I'm not trying to sell you, but a lot of them find the converse is true. Exactly. That because someone has that kind of experience, right. they know whereof they speak.
1: Right. And that had been what I, what my experience had been before becoming a counselor. And I still hadn't told a whole lot of people. It was just the people that were very close to me who knew, close, very close friends and family. Um, But then there became this other aspect to They even tell, they tell you as a counselor that you only disclose some of this information. And sometimes it's even more so with mental health that you don't want to disclose some of this information. So it's, so it's like there's even stigma, there's stigma within our community. Mental health has been stigmatized within our mental health community. Um, It, it is. It's bizarre. It is bizarre. Um, and they, and part of it is they think, well, you're protecting yourself. You're depe- you're protecting the client. Maybe it's going to have a negative effect on them or not. And
0: but again, I think the longer you're, we're slowly learning. And here's what I'm thinking about. Um, think about substance use disorder amongst the families of President presidents of the United States and it's the D's and the R's you know there was Nancy Reagan and there was Kitty Dukakis there was you know and it's it's all in the families and it's hard to throw a rock I mean Jimmy Carter had Billy Carter you know it's hard to throw a rock without hitting a family that doesn't have a sibling a cousin a parent for whom substance is there but now we have um, Hunter Biden, and we have Rudolf Giuliani, Right. each of whom, whether they admit it or not, are pretty obviously have been significantly impaired, mm-hmm. didn't make the best decisions. And they kept using the substance that was driving them down. Mm-hmm. And I find people will throw rocks like I heard Al Franken express concern for Rudolph Giuliani. And I think it's that kind of thing that reintroduces the notion of human compassion and strips away these tribal loyalties right. and everything. Um, the ability to see that this disease, and when you talk about substance use disorder or even mental health. it impacts everyone. We are all yes. no one is exempt.
1: Oh, exactly. It's all throughout our families. And you know, I mean, I shouldn't say you know, but very very often I have found that with substance use disorders there's a mental health concern underneath it. Usually yeah, co occurring
0: co-occurring disorder. Co occurring
1: is, is pretty much prevalent.
0: It can be People PTSD. Are, it
1: can go. You know, who knows if you. It
0: can be self-medicating.
1: Yes, yeah. Um, so thank goodness, I didn't get into that, and I was treated very early. And so, in a way, I am very thankful that I did. Ha- and I had a boy. Did it, when? When it was bad. <laughs> when when I was diagnosed, um, it was obvious that I had a mental illness so I'm very fortunate in the sense that I had it so bad at first that got me treated so early that I could have so I could have a a pretty stable life
0: thing about bipolar is the meds the cocktail that works for you at 19 doesn't necessarily work for you at 25 let alone 45 Um, what's been most helpful not just an advertisement for a drug, but <laughs> what's been most helpful in terms of right. coming to be in middle age, living to be in middle age with this disorder as it evolves?
1: Okay, so with medication, at that time it was lithium. And even at that time they were concerned about lithium Having physical, you know, toxicity, and I'd have to get lab work and stuff done. But I will say that that medication at that time saved my life, along with my great psychiatrist. He was awesome. He actually was. Um, uh,
0: Took time to get to know you.
1: Yes, but he was he was somebody famous. P, um, PTL. Um, he was his, anyway, he was the psychiatrist of somebody else that was very famous uh-huh. um, at the same, at just about the same time. Uh-huh. And so he was awesome in Charlotte. He's no longer living. Uh-huh. Um, and um, so great psychiatrist, good therapist, all of those going all together. Unfortunately, it d- did bring me up. Kind of when you say over a lifespan that um, I'm 52 now, probably at about uh, 46, realized I needed to go off the lithium. We figured out was going to happen at some point. Now I'm on like lamotrigin and um, had to figure out some other cocktail of things. Was that um,
0: hard to shift gears?
1: It was tough. It was tough. And then also the reason I needed to was because figure kit for chronic kidney disease and now I have a lovely chronic kidney disease. Ah. But I have to remind myself that um I probably would not be alive if I hadn't been on the lithium because I probably would have died by suicide.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: Yes. So I have to, in my head, think about it. Okay, now I've got this chronic kidney disease that's probably, I mean, unless they come up with some more stuff, I'm hopeful that they still will because I'm just a very optimistic person. But it's probably gonna shorten my life. Um, Maybe,
0: maybe not. There's also kidney transplants, there's...
1: Thank you, Stuart. (laughs) No,
0: I have a buddy this past weekend gave a kidney. To his church member. I mean, he just announced it in yeah. church. He's given a kidney. Great. He's a match. So. Yeah. Don't be right in yeah. your obituary. I know. I, know. I mean, <laughs> science is learning a lot of things. I uh, Dare
1: I say I'm an optimist? <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So there's a lot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just one thing at a time, Kim. <laughs> you know, let's just deal with right, right here and now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We've gone from this, to, I tell you, I've got a lot. There's a lot in my life, yeah.
0: But, I mean, I think it's also admirable. (laughs) You and Matt could have opened an ice cream franchise. Not that there's anything wrong with that. You know, all the demonization of sugar notwithstanding. Ah. I mean, there's nothing wrong. I love ice cream. Right. I like frozen custard even better. But you chose... To open a franchise business, a for-profit business, offering mental health to people—that's
1: <laughs> that's the reason. Is um, you asked me what I'm passionate about, I'm passionate about counseling, therapy, and helping people. And it's because um, it's because I needed it, and it's because my husband needed it. And he, you know, and he got into recovery. And then, when he got, he's been sober um, for 11 years now, and we've been, this practice now, it's been almost eight years. Wow. And uh, so, we were both, we had, we were, it was wanting to give back a lot, and so, yes. yeah.
0: We have way more demand for all forms of mental health therapy than we have supply. Um, if someone uninsured, no money, how, how do you advise them? What do you, what do you recommend for them?
1: Um, so if they don't have any money, they have, okay, so very little resources.
0: Well, first off, if they have Medicaid, or Medicare, Mm -hmm. there are options, There are options,
1: but it's, there's not many places. I don't want to be, I don't want to be commercial for my own place, but that was something we wanted, that was, that was important to us, was to be accessible to people, which, which also meant for people you know, who were using Medicaid, and very few practices will do that in town because it's more difficult to go through the process. Um, and medi- a lot of paperwork. A lot of paperwork. Do they pay? They actually pay okay. Actually, some of them, some of it pays better than the damn.
0: Insurance, insurance companies. Insurance companies.
1: <laughs> yep. Uh, believe it or not, but it's it's not fun to get through and not, and, and um, yeah.
0: A lot easier to say, we don't take Medicaid, period. Right. Sorry.
1: Same with insurance. Here's a list. We're not taking it because insurance, Medicaid, Medicare, it's all just difficult.
0: Yeah. Cash to, on yeah. the barrel is a lot simpler. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, um, and that's what we found. That's part of why we started the practice because we found even with Matt's great benefits that he had from the bank he had been working with at the time, we were going to people that we were having to pay out of pocket for and it was hard for us to keep up with everything (laughs) with the amount of therapists, family therapy, everything.
0: My wife went on Medicare this year. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And I pay cash out of pocket, submit no, you know, so I'll pay $135 this week for my 50 minutes. Yeah. And I don't submit it to anybody. Right. It's cash. Yeah. And it's worth every penny.
1: Right. But you can afford it, I know.
0: Yeah. Well, I the, mean, you know, theoretically. You know I mean. Yeah.
1: Theoretically. I, like, there yeah. are some, you know, sometimes you actually have. You you, sh- you should go ahead and ask. Do you have sliding scale available? Mm. You know, um, do any of you, do you have? Is there an intern that might give me therapy for a reduced rate or pro bono? Because like we do that, and other places might do that. are a lot of times they don't say we'll take over sliding scale, but if you ask, a lot will.
0: Yeah. I have encouraged my own brother. He said, I don't want to go to twelve step. I said, great, go to the church. I don't want to go to the church. I said, great, go to the veterans groups. He said, I don't want to go to the veterans groups. I said, Andy, five five guys will sit at the McDonald's with you and right. drink coffee and talk. Right, right. So if you can find your tribe, even if it's five people who go to the diner on a regular yeah. basis,
1: yes, yes that's yes,
0: yes. better than nothing.
1: Any community. Um, I have been a part of a couple different 12-step programs, and if I did not have them, that I don't. That's another thing. I don't know where I would be. Um, yeah, I don't know where I would be, especially with my marriage. Uh, and I don't know how individually, like how I would be either. Uh, yes.
0: How did y'all celebrate 30 years?
1: Um, we went, we went to Wilmington actually, and um, we saw a fish show.
0: <laughs> was it fun?
1: <laughs> it was fun, and it was sober for him. He didn't drink any. I had, a, I had a few drinks, um, but yeah. And when we we used to go to fish shows, when he was definitely drink, we would both drink and have a, you know. Way too much fun there. So, but we were able to do it, and we had a whole lot of fun. We did that, and then we saw some um, friends. We, we did like a bi- electric bike tour, which Matt would never have done before. And <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, but so. the electric bikes, there's not a lot of huffing and puffing. You can right, you not can a zip lot of around. huffing and
1: puffing. But I, I it's crashed like a scooter and for a minute.
0: Oh, did you? <laughs> did you? Yes. Not that fun.
1: It was no it was fun it was fun i just i crashed for a minute but yeah. i got back up yeah
0: <laughs> well that's neat yeah. yeah lorraine and i just celebrated 40 and we were in the mountains with friends the week before and we're going with our kids to the mountains here next week all right so it's a trip
1: yeah yeah well we went to U- we just got back from utah um we didn't really celebrate did the kids go with you? Yeah, kids went, and it was my whole side of the family. Um, uh, so it was 10 of us total. It was a lot. Yeah. But it was awesome.
0: Did you, were you able to at least have your own room or your own place where you could Matt like, and I so.
1: had our own room and bathroom. Yes.
0: There you go. So. <laughs> that's the key.
1: That's, that's the key. I think next time, even the, I think it will be hotel room. Mm -hmm. But but, but it went well. I mean, we did everything from, I did canyoneering, Matt and I did canyoneering, rappelling off, you know, rappelling and then crawling through spaces. And and
0: Zion is so glorious.
1: Oh, so we did Zion, Bryce, and then um, the North Rim.
0: And it's not too hot now.
1: Oh, it was perfect weather.
0: And it's also because the kids are all in school, it's not as... You got it. Oh, that's beautiful,
1: and we're empty nesters now. <laughs>
0: that's beautiful, but it's also not snowing there.
1: No, not yet, but it it, it could, could any minute. Yeah, so we lucked out, perfect weather, everything went well.
0: And in the summer, Zion and well, particularly the South Rim, of the Grand Canyon are mobbed.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And
0: you were able to hit it where.
1: Yeah, that that's
0: great. It's like going to Disney World with no line.
1: Yes. Now. I know that you know Matt, and you're probably going to hear a different story. Um, cause
0: no, I'm not, because I'm was... not going okay. <laughs> to
1: ask
0: you. You get to say, this is in her words, not in his words.
1: I enjoyed it thoroughly because I was with my family, and I know my parents are getting older, and this was something that my sister and I had planned like for an entire year with our heart, hearts and souls. And... It all got worked out, and I thought it was the great. parents came. Par- parents were there. My sister and her her children and her her child's fiance and, and then my two my kids. So yeah.
0: So you created memories. Yeah,
1: we finally did it. My dad had been wanting to do this for a long time, to like go to a house and have everyone, and so we finally did it.
0: And there are people who. Their kids are the ones who bail, and you've got great kids. Yes, they're I so do. wonderful. <laughs>
1: yes,
0: and your daughter—I was thinking about—she is. She's working in the biz, right?
1: Yes, she
0: she's, doesn't work for y'all, though. Does she doesn't
1: work for us. She works for um, a treatment center that she went to. So she, so she, um, she inherited. Um,
0: thanks, Dad.
1: Thanks, Dad. And um, so she is in recovery, and she is four years in um, sobriety now. So really happy and thrilled with her. She's she is twenty-four years. So this came out during college. Um, so a lot of struggles there, um, but she's doing great. And then my son, he's he's twenty-one now, and I mean,
0: knock on wood. Uh,
1: knock on wood. He um he's doing well now. I mean, he's had ups and downs yeah. um, for sure. I think, and I think that our family probably always will like other families, but some, but we've been, there's been a lot that's gone on.
0: So when your daughter talked about getting into the mental health industrial complex, um, what did you think? What were, did she ask your advice or did she, what did you guys say to her? About well, this as a profession?
1: I know. Well, she's seen me do it and love it. I think she's seen me loving it and she's also been, she was also in therapy for a long time and I think she's had some good therapists um, and she's okay with me talking about, she's very open about um, her recovery. Um, But, and yes, she's, she definitely talked to me and she's talked to Matt about it. And I really wanted to be careful as to not sway her and like, this is where I want you to do, you know, family business, you know, this. Um, I think she has, she's a natural for it. I think Matt has that business sense in him because he does the operational side of the business that he does have this, I want you to do the family business, everything that I just said. Um, but I Legacy. Think, right. Um,
0: Especially since you put your name on it.
1: We did put our name on it. And I do, I have been feeling that as of late and because, yes, and um, and I do, and we have thought the more serious she gets about it, like possibly getting her master's, the more I think, oh, this really would be great and... Uh, uh, yeah, even, I mean, even my niece that I was talking to, she's 30, but she's a social worker, and I think we've already thought, we've already talked to her about, why don't you join us, but she has a whole other plan.
0: <laughs> From my point of view, um, the, the best, the win-win-win is when you can do well by doing good, like you can Succeed, retire comfortably by producing something that people need, the world needs. You're helping people. And they're happy to pay their insurance. They're happy to pay you cash. or They're happy that they're getting this. They're actually happier people. They may not go skipping out of the door, but it's like, whether it's autism or anorexia or alcohol abuse. You're all the A's. You're, you're better than you would have been had no one seen you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've worked with multiple mental health professionals, only worked with an MD for less than a year, mm-hmm. but I'm so happy to see them and they're happy to see me.
1: Right. Yes.
0: Like I love they, my clients. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. This is not just some sort of business transaction. No.
1: no.
0: I'm not getting my transmission fixed, you know. Right. Yeah. But yes. it's the sad thing is some people know their mechanics better than they know their MDs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But in the case of a therapist.
1: I know. Yes. You'll
0: really need to know that person.
1: Yes. Yeah,
0: it's impossible for it not to be deeply intimate.
1: Yeah, you just have to—you have to make sure there's that rapport. I always say that 95% of it is rapport. Being able to sit here, like me and you, and have a conversation and feel comfortable about it, look each other in the eyes. There, it is. It can be difficult to find that for some people, but once you find that that connection, yeah.
0: It's also the willingness on the part of the client and my therapist right now is trying to drag some stuff out of me. Yes. Um, And she's like, you got to come up with this, that this is not just take a pill, take a potion, get back to me in six months. This is the heavy lifting you have to do
1: Mm -hmm. on
0: this issue. Mm -hmm. And it's the promise that they hold out of you're gonna feel much happier once you let this rock go, whatever that rock is. Right. And she right. does it. I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. you have to look. Uh, I have a friend, PhD psychologist, and he says, if you think your therapist is a bad therapist, you're probably right. <laughs> but it might be that they're just not right for you. Yeah. And. No harm, no foul. Right. Keep looking.
1: Yes. Yeah. Keep looking. Yep. Just
0: don't go without. <laughs> right.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Same thing with the meds. Don't just don't cut those things out by yourself. Right. Oh, do yeah. not do that. No. Bad, bad, bad. Bad. Yeah.
1: Bad. Yeah. Yeah.
0: If we got struck by lightning. Today, and the only thing that survived is this little piece of audio, what is your legacy?
1: Oh, gosh. I see the smirk on your face. What is my
0: legacy? It's not a smirk. It's a (laughs) smile. You have such a great legacy. That's an interpretation. Okay.
1: Okay. My legacy is... I think, as seen in my children with their perseverance, I think, perseverance, yes, my family and their perseverance.
0: How did that look? Give me an example. Like what did they do to demonstrate? Like
1: my children? Mm -hmm. They are here, and they are, they are here, and there were there were times when uh, it was very tough for them, and you can tell when I'm when I'm crying. There there were very low mo- there were extremely low moments to where we thought we might lose either one of them at one time or another and they've persevered and I know my daughter's doing really well and I know my son's doing well and um, he said he had probably the best vacation he's had just last week and that's awesome so I think how they are, how, how they've gone through the struggle and they're coming out, uh, they're coming out good citizens. Yeah,
0: My take, for what it's worth,
1: is that
0: they were extremely blessed with not one but two parents who had done their own heavy lifting who had modeled that for them. Thank you. And I acknowledge that (laughs) and I applaud you and Matt, but I applaud you for all the work you've done over the decades and they saw that they just witnessed it it wasn't anything Mm -hmm. you said they saw you Mm -hmm. and so that meant they could see light at the end
1: right yeah (laughs) yeah that makes me feel that makes me feel really good
0: well you should i acknowledge all you've done and i honor it god bless you thank you kim
1: okay (laughs)
0: Kim Maytone and her husband Matt are dear friends of mine, and I am a huge fan of them as individuals and together. And I've seen firsthand the kind of heavy lifting and work they've done. I acknowledge it and I admire them. Uh, Their clinics are in Charlotte, two in Charlotte, and. in the Asheville area, and they're growing, as is the demand. Thank you, Kim.
2: In Her Words is a production of the Queen City Podcast Network in cooperation with Balto Creative Media. Allison Andrews at Andrews Creative, Rachel Clapp Miller and Roshonda Pratt are developmental producers. Sally Higgins at Higgins and Owens tries to keep us legal. Our music is A Day at the Park by the group Pictures of the Floating World. Your announcer is Catherine Smith. That's me. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and take a moment to rate and review. It really helps others find us. If you love us, go to our Patreon page at patreon.com. Look for Man Listening. One word, no spaces. A small investment makes a big difference in lifting up the voices of women.
0: A huge shout-out and thank you to everyone who has supported little old me, Stuart Watson, ManListening.com, In Her Words, the podcast. Um, And now my new venture, Voice Locket. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you for your support. We believe one voice can change the conversation. Thanks so much.